Well, hello and welcome to episode five of The Herd. I am David Shepard, MLA for Edmonton City Center, proud new Democrat, and uh, happy to be back with you again this week to talk economic diversification. So it's one of those terms that you hear a lot over the last few years, and actually for a number of years here in the province of Alberta. We recognize, of course, that our province has for a long time been driven by the resource industry, oil and gas, and the incredible prosperity that that's brought to our province. But we also recognize that the oil and gas industry, uh, we're relying on resource revenues, has put us on a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, when the price of oil drops, we see a lot of money flow out of the government coffers. So governments for a number of years have been working to try to build up some other industries here in the province of Alberta to help level out the playing field and help broaden our economy. So certainly during our time in government, we worked on a number of fronts, whether that was uh, working on value added in the food industry. We've seen a number of great projects that have come out of that. And one of the other big areas of opportunity was tech and innovation. Now, I got to tell you, this was not an area I knew a lot about when I came in as an MLA, but uh, staff in my office had friends who worked in that industry, who uh, worked and were creating startups, which are beginning companies, which are trying out new ideas in some of these different fields. And I started to get to know some of these folks and discovered that a lot of them work right here in my constituency of Edmonton City Center. So I've had the chance to get to know them, be part of a number of different uh, events and celebrations over the last few years, and learn a whole lot more about what this industry has to offer here in the province of Alberta, not only in Edmonton, but also in Calgary, Lethbridge, and a lot of other parts of our province. So today, I'm really happy to have some great folks to talk about that. I'm going to chat with Darren Billis, our MLA for Edmonton Beverly Clairview, and formerly the Minister of Economic Development and Trade, about some of the work that he did bringing in programs like the Alberta Investor Tax Credit and the Interactive Digital Media Tax Credit, and some of the other programs through Alberta Innovates to support this industry. I've got Ashlyn Bernier. Uh, She's the CEO of Sam Inc. She's uh, worked with a number of other startup companies and is also a member of the Edmonton Advisory Council on Startups. So she's going to talk a bit about her perspective as an entrepreneur and someone who's working to help advocate for startups here in the province of Alberta. And then towards the end of the show, we're going to take a bit of a turn away from the tech talk, maybe tug a bit more on the heartstrings and talk with some of my colleagues who this week had families of some of the members of the Humboldt Broncos who were involved in that terrible tragedy and the story of how they brought them to the Alberta legislature to have their voices heard on safety regulations on Alberta's roads. But for the beginning, let's talk tech. All right, so before we get into the conversation here, let's just take a moment to define some of our terms. So when we're talking about tech and innovation, what we're talking about is new technologies, often uh, using uh, computer-based technologies, but all kinds of things. So I know I've met with companies, for example, that are working on new kinds of guitar pedals based on carbon-based circuit technology. I've run into people who are working on new medical technology here uh, that allow people to use ultrasound in a doctor's office to improve diagnosis and uh, cut down on the number of external tests that need to be done. I've talked with people who are working on new apps, new and different ways that people can uh, boost efficiency in their business using different computer programs. That all falls under technology. Some of it goes out into the oil and gas field and gets used in different areas as well. Innovation is all about how technology then gets used to improve some of the processes. So, for example, folks that are currently uh, trying to extract 
lithium from tailings ponds and that sort of thing. They have current sensing technologies. I've met with entrepreneurs here at Edmonton who are developing better devices to detect and extract that lithium. So that's part of innovation. Uh, artificial intelligence is a big part of that too. Uh, we have that growth in that industry right here in Edmonton. A lot of incredible research happening at the U of A. So using artificial intelligence to improve, for example, how we scan through uh, samples at our medical testing lab. I was at Danalife the other day and had a chance to see how using artificial intelligence to look for markers in a cell sample uh, helps speed up that process and free up human time. So that's part of innovation. So startups is another term you're going to hear. That's any brand new company that's developing an idea in the tech and innovation field. So any company that's just beginning, they've got an idea, they want to take it to market, that's a startup. Service providers. So service providers are organizations that exist to help startups in getting their companies up and running. So they could be uh, places like Startup Edmonton. We've got Platform Calgary. We've got Tech Edmonton. And with the Alberta government, we have Alberta Innovates. Service providers may also provide grants to be able to help folks out at different stages. So Alberta Innovates, for example, has different certificate programs that provide fun- that provide funding to startups to help build a prototype or to help hiring hire a marketing staff once they're ready to go to market and they want to expand uh, the uh, their number of customers and be able to build the company that way. They might be able to provide a grant for product development. So service providers offer different programs, services, opportunities for mentorship that startups can access. Then lastly, the part that makes the whole machine go, the fuel for the economy, the investors. So we have angel investors. Those are the folks who come along at the very beginning when all there is is an idea, maybe a blueprint, maybe just a sketch on the back of a napkin. But the angel investor comes along and says, I like that idea. I believe in it. I'm going to put some money on the table to help you get this going. So with an angel investor, that will often mean that they'll get a stake in the company. It may mean that they'll take some form of a leadership role to help guide and advise the company. But they're the ones that help get the ball rolling and help get the the company started. At later stages, you'll have other investors who may come in and provide further capital. So that could be capital, again, to build a prototype. That could be uh, capital then to actually manufacture the product. It could be capital that's used to hire more staff to expand sales regions and go out and find new customers. But ultimately, investors are what you need to be able to take a product to market. So there's a few of the terms. Now let's go and talk to some of the folks about tech. So as I said, that was all stuff I had to learn over the last four years. And someone else I know who had to do a lot of learning in the last four years, but I think did a pretty good job, Darren Billis. He's my next guest. He was our our Minister of Economic Development and Trade. He's the MLA for Edmonton, Beverly, Clairview. And as the Minister of EDT, it was his job to work on building economic diversification here in the province of Alberta. And he did some fantastic work going out and talking with folks in the tech and innovation ecosystem, finding out what supports we could provide as a provincial government to help build them up as a driving force and real potential growth area for the Alberta economy. So here you go, folks, my conversation with Darren Billis. So I have Darren Billis here in the studio, MLA for Edmonton Beverly Clearview, opposition critic for economic development and trade. How you doing, Darren? 
I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, thanks for making time. I know you've had a busy afternoon in the house. So just wanted to start out, you know, I'm thinking back to October 2015. Uh, Alberta, we're in a bit of a tough spot. The price of oil has dropped, and whenever the price of oil drops in Alberta, we talk about economic diversification. Our government was looking at how can we get some other industries up and running. You're appointed the Minister of Economic Development and Trade. Big responsibility. What were you thinking? Okay, so if I can just start with the the story behind how this came about. Okay. So I, I knew that uh, at the, the then Premier, Rachel Notley, was looking at creating the Ministry of Economic Development and Trade. Yeah. Um, and I thought, great idea. I don't know why um, the government killed it back in 2007. So there mm. used to be a, a ministry responsible yeah. for it so that businesses really had a single touch point, single entry point to government. So, uh, you know, if you think about uh, when it didn't exist, agricultural companies, they would go to the Ministry of Agriculture, but they wouldn't have people who were experts uh, from the business side. And so they would get pushed to another ministry and they would get bounced all around. And so it really was uh, industry, all different sectors that said, we need a single gathering place. We need a, a home or an entity or a ministry that everyone can access, who has the expertise, who comes from uh, the private sector. And so uh, so this is part of the reason why I was excited that, uh, that Rachel created or recreated this ministry. I, I, I'll make the story really short, but I'll never forget the day she called me into the office. And we went in, or I went into her office, we sat down, we started talking and, and small talk for a little while. And then we talked about the ministry and I said to her, so when are you going to ask me? And she said, well, <laughs> ask me what? And I said, well, when are you going to ask me who I think should be the Minister of Economic Development and Trade? Like yeah. I came in with a list of <laughs> colleagues on who I thought would make really good ministers. And she looked at me and said, you, you're the Minister of Economic <laughs> Development and Trade. And, it, it, you know, I, I honestly didn't think about it. I thought she was right. asking for my opinion. And I was happy to to talk about uh, you know two or three of our colleagues who I thought would do an amazing job. So when uh, when she asked me to do that, I mean it was uh, it was incredibly humbling uh, to be asked to lead that ministry, and and also intimidating. Uh, again, as you said, you know, 2015, the economy was in free fall because of the global collapse and the price of oil that started. Uh, which is why a lot of people don't remember that Jim Prentice called the election a year early. Yeah. We only served three years uh, from 2012 to 2015, and he called the election because mm. he saw the writing on the wall. And so uh, when we created the ministry, um, I thought this this was great. And in my mind, the first task was to go out and, and meet with businesses from, you know, small business owners to organizations like Chambers of Commerce to Economic Development Associations uh, throughout the province to ask them what, what role should the government of Alberta play? So every meeting that I had, I sat down with people and said, I need you to answer these two questions. You know, come to me and identify what are some of the challenges your business is facing? And then what do you think is the role of government? How can we, what role do we play? Uh, because it's not always a government needs to solve problem X. Uh, you know, sometimes it's being aware. Sometimes it might be a regulation. Sometimes it, it may be, here's where the gaps are. But it really was the business community that, uh, that said to us, here's a couple different tangible concrete things that you can do to help diversify the economy. 
So what were some of those things that they get, they brought to the table? What were they asking for? So the first thing that came out of their mouths was asking for tax credits. Okay. And, uh, and you know, they, they said we need an investor tax credit. The province of British Columbia has had one since 1985. Part of the reason that they've been able to diversify their economy is because of it. And so when we started to take that feedback back and design a tax credit, we looked to British Columbia, we looked to other provincial jurisdictions, and the first iteration of it uh, came back where we selected certain sectors and omitted others. And we took this back out on the road to businesses, business associations who said, no, it has to be sector-wide. You can't, you can't say you can qualify because you're part of this sector, whether that's, let's say, ag or forestry, but you folks over here operating in the health space or um, internet of things or whatever, no, you don't qualify. So we took that, that feedback and redesigned the credit and ensured that it, it applied to every industry, uh, no matter what. And, uh, you know, the tax credit was really starting to build momentum. I mean, if we if we fast forward from 2015 to currently under this, uh, the Kenny government, right. who have frozen the tax credit. This is the Alberta investor tax credit. The investor tax credit. And what I loved about it, David, not only was it supporting our small businesses grow and scale faster, and I'll take a quick second to explain it. Yeah. What it did was a small business that was looking at raising money. Okay, so they've already, a small business owner, they've already gone to friends and family. Yeah. They're tapped out. They need to raise more money to be able to grow. Hire more people, uh, get their product to market, maybe a second product to market. Um, they need to raise those funds. But the challenge is, as a startup, they're still risky. So people, the average Albertan who's got some money in their RSPs may not be willing to take that chance. And so this investor tax credit offered 30% to an Albertan who is going to invest in this company in addition to whatever the company's offering. And so it, it helped de-risk these investments and it helped companies raise money very, very quickly. Yeah. So one of the sectors that uh, really seemed to benefit from this and really seemed to embrace this and in fact be asking for this is in tech and innovation. Now, I know for myself, I've learned a lot about this sector over the last few years just because there's a lot of these folks working in my constituency. How much did you know about the tech sector going in? <laughs> well, let's just say, you know, uh, one of the uh, one of the takeaways from uh, being the Minister of Economic Development and Trade, my, my learning curve was very, very steep. Right. But what I loved about my ministry, and I often said that I think, uh, you know, I have one of the most dynamic ministries, the people that I get to meet. Hmm. Albertans are so creative and innovative and entrepreneurial that that solutions to real world problems, we're developing them here, right here at home. Hmm. And a lot of these companies, though, need a little bit of support to get that idea to turn it into a business and then and then make it profitable so it survives, right? I mean, you know, we often hear about the number of businesses in the first five years that die, that don't mm, survive. Yeah. It's a really, really tough period of time. And you may have a brilliant idea, but you may not have the business acumen. So one of the things that you and I did was announce some new money for immigrant entrepreneurs yes. to be able to get the supports that they need because they have these great ideas 
how do you turn that idea into a successful business? And they face some unique challenges as well, right? They're sort of learning a new culture. They're learning a new language. They're kind of having to make new connections in a place where they haven't lived before. And in a similar way, tech companies sort of face some unique challenges. Uh, I guess they have to develop prototypes. They have to develop examples of new technology. They're coming into a market here in Alberta where a lot of investors are used to oil and gas. They know that really well. They're not as familiar with tech and some of the bigger risks there. So how does the AITC help out with that? So, you know, great question. And you're absolutely right that uh, that people that I spoke with said, you know, 10 years ago, if you were an oil and gas company, you could raise $10 million in about uh, two hours. Uh, today, it's a much different story. And especially for tech companies, because the oil and gas money um, looks at the sector as you're risky, you're new. Uh, and so, you know, the, the investor tax credit helps to de-risk investments. But the other thing we did, really, we, it was a, it was, it was a, a trifecta of, of things. So we introduced the investor tax credit. We also, uh, our government pledged and created 3,000 new tech spaces at our post-secondaries because companies like Amazon and Facebook that we did sit down with, um, you know, I had an incredible opportunity uh, over the years to sit down with Apple and other major wow. companies uh, that were looking at investing in Alberta. Uh, but one of the challenges, they said, you have incredible talent. You just don't have enough people graduating wow. for us to, to set up shop here. So honestly, that's where the 3,000 tech spaces came from, were trips of mine down to Silicon Valley, uh, meeting with these massive companies right. that are looking to Alberta. And, and you know what? The, the, the top reasons of why they were looking at Alberta wasn't our tax, our low taxes. No. Taxes wasn't even on the radar. Huh. These companies, first of all, pay top dollar to uh, their their. Uh, programmers and designers. Yeah. And I mean, like, I sat down with Netflix and they said, we don't pay industry average, we pay 20% higher than the top <laughs> industry average. Wow. And the reason is that talent is what is, that is their number one factor, is they need talent. They're going to pay for it hmm. because they know if they have the right people, they're going to knock it out of the park. Right. They talked about our healthcare system. Oh. And the fact that that is a competitive advantage of Alberta. We have an incredible healthcare system. And so down in the States, they pay huge sums of money for their employees right, to have course. the most basic benefits. They looked at quality of life. And they look at in Alberta, we have the Rocky Mountains, we have, you know, the rolling hills, we have the Badlands, we have incredible geography. Uh, plus, they also love the fact that to the valley, we are a short flight away. And so when we announced uh, the Air Canada daily nonstop direct flight from Edmonton to San Francisco, that was going, that was the buzz in the valley. Um, and so we took the feedback we got and we opened an Alberta trade office in Silicon Valley. Right, I heard And so that. instead of funding bricks and mortar, we found an incredible company called Connection Silicon Valley. The CEO, a woman named Joanne Fideco. Brilliant. She's been down in the Valley for more than 10 years. Um, she is an Albertan. Her company partnered with an Alberta company where they, for three years, will support every and any Alberta company going down to the Valley, helping them set up meetings. Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to get in front of? Plus they are boots on the ground in the Valley promoting Alberta 
as a destination for investment. So you did a lot of work here. I mean, you had a lot of meetings, you invested a lot of infrastructure, created these tax credits. We put a lot of stuff into place. What did we get from that? What were the results? Did we start to see some impact? Oh, we definitely did. We definitely did. So the um, briefly, we had the th- we've talked about the investor tax credit. On that tax credit, thirty million dollars uh, raised from uh, from Albertans and 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 from people leveraged a hundred million dollars worth of investment. So the return on on investment is more than three to one. Uh, which is fantastic. We also introduced the capital investment tax credit. That one is to help companies take money that was sitting on the sidelines waiting for the economy to recover and getting them to invest it right now today. New machinery and equipment, new facilities or building uh, expansions to existing facilities. That tax credit, $200 million leveraged $2.2 billion worth of investment. Uh, and that was the second tax credit program. The third tax credit program, the Interactive Digital Media Tax yes. Credit Program. Of course, you're very familiar of with course. some of the incredible companies who helped us design that program. Of course, Aaron Flynn from Improbable, uh, yeah. who used to be with BioWare, helped us design this credit. And we have seen companies benefit. Quick example, BioWare. Yep. Great Alberta-based company. Ten years ago, they had 800 employees in our province. Hmm. Over time, we've lost 500 of the 800. Right. And Where did they go? Other jurisdictions, they, they had the credit. The, exactly. Yeah. They went to Quebec yeah. because they have a tax credit program uh, to help reduce costs. Yeah. We introduced that tax credit programs. We were seeing companies move to Alberta because we have incredible talent. We need to level the playing field. And so those three tax credits helped do that, helped level the playing field and diversify the economy. Again, something that previous governments have talked about over and over. I was proud to have an incredible uh, team of MLAs, our caucus, that were out talking to businesses, listening to what they had to say, and then implementing So we were seeing some really good results. Some good things were happening. We had the election this spring. Albertans chose a bit of a different direction, but there was still opportunity, I think, for this new government to, I think, to keep some of these things going. You raised a question in the House the other day, though, that suggests maybe they didn't. Let's just take a moment and listen to that clip. Mr. Speaker, given that this minister is supposed to be responsible for supporting Alberta job creators, and given that the tax credit programs introduced by our government were generating an economic return for our province, helping companies grow and scale and compete. Because, Mr. Speaker, given that other provinces have similar tax credits, which has helped them diversify their economies. To the minister, will you apologize to the tech companies for leaving them in a lurch and forcing them out of Alberta? All right. So there you are. You're asking the new Minister of Economic Development and Trade, Minister Tanya Fur, about her government's support for these credits and these businesses. Why are you bringing this up? What are you hearing on the ground? What are you seeing that's raising this concern for you? Well, what, uh, you know, the premier and this government have promised uh, is the exact opposite of what they're delivering. And so in the business community, everyone is talking about the uncertainty The uncertainty because of the fact that they've delayed bringing out a budget. There's lots of talks of cuts. And of course, they froze the tax credits. Tech company after tech company have said to me, Darren, how come they don't get it? 
a corporate tax cut does nothing for startups and tech companies. Why? The corporate tax rate could be zero and it still does nothing for them. These companies take every penny and reinvest it back into the company. They are trying to grow. A tax cut is useless. And they've said to me, how do they not understand it's tax credits that will help us grow? You guys understood that. David, the number of companies who said to me, I am not, and businesses and business owners and CEOs, I'm not a new Democrat, but your government listened and are helping us grow. I will stand with your government. I will stand with you. And I can name angel investors, high net worth individuals who said, we support your government, Rachel Notley. You guys get it. These guys don't. Absolutely. I hear you. And of course, that's what I've been hearing from the community, too. And of course, we uh, raised this issue, uh, I guess, a couple months ago or a month and a half ago, had a number of businesses that stood up calling on this government to restore these tax credits. Because, yeah, the uncertainty this is creating for businesses that have been creating jobs. And like you said, we're bringing investment back into the province. So we've got that budget coming up next week. What are you thinking you might see? What are you hoping that we'll see from this government? You know what? I would love to see uh, the, the government make good decisions based on the numbers. And the numbers speak for themselves. The, the value of the investor tax credit, the capital investment tax credit, they speak for themselves. The problem is we have heard uh, that they are getting rid of all three tax credits. Uh, and so you've got a lot of companies that are up in arms. What the premier doesn't understand... Let me give you an example of one of the coolest companies that I sat down with, okay. a tech company out of Calgary called Hi-Fi Engineering. Okay. Hi-Fi Engineering uses artificial intelligence sensors for pipeline monitoring. Huh. Now, these sensors are not your ordinary sensors. Of course, they can test if there's going to be a leak. They can anticipate it before it happens. More importantly, the sensor runs the length of the pipeline. The sensor also can pick up from up to 10 feet away conversations. So imagine if you're in another country and we look at, at, at you know some of the challenges other countries have, like in Mexico, where people will build or take off pipes right. from a pipeline. They're, they're, some people will try to steal the oil that's going down a yeah, pipeline. Yeah. You would actually hear the conversation that they're having and know exactly where they are on the pipeline about wow. to meddle with it. But it also anticipates potential leaks. It has an early warning system that can shut down the pipeline in certain sections. This technology was developed in Alberta, in Calgary, in partnership with our friends, Alberta Innovates, which of course mm. is a, a, a crown corporation that helps decide, vet, screen companies that apply for different grants and funding. We've been very supportive of Alberta Innovates uh, because they work with companies like Hi-Fi Engineering right. who develop real, like, real solutions to real-world problems using technology to support our oil and gas sector. Premier Kenny doesn't get it. So that's another thing we'll be watching in that budget next week then to see what the funding is for Alberta Innovates, how that moves. Absolutely. So you did a lot of work in tech. You did a lot of trips to San Francisco. That's not the only travel you did. Uh, you were helping promote some of the other industries, agriculture, some other things. You took a few trips over to China. What was that like? 
Uh, it was absolutely incredible. You know what? My, my favorite part of going on trade missions was taking Alberta businesses with us. Mm. And, and honestly, David, I was, I was a new minister. I was, I was naive and, and, and thought every previous government took Alberta businesses sure. with them. No, they didn't. We started that, our government. And let me tell you that uh, we led, in November of 2016, the largest trade delegation Alberta has ever led in the history of the province. 86 different businesses came with us. 150 Albertans um, came with us to China. And here's an exciting fact. Trade with China from 2015, actually it was 2016, to 2019... Mm -hmm. Alberta trade with China increased by 25% under our government. Wow. $1 billion more trade. And I'm not going to say it was us, but we understood there's a role for government to work with the private sector, especially in, in countries like China and Asia, where government-to-government relations are critical. And I was proud. We worked with our forestry sector to expand uh, the market share that we have selling Alberta softwood uh, over to Japan and Asia. We were in China supporting our agricultural sector from, uh, you know, from canola to, uh, to, to honey to many other products. Um, as well, we were, we were supporting beer. I don't know if you oh, know really? this, but Sapporo... The yeah. Japanese beer, where do they get their barley from? Is it from Alberta? It's Alberta. They Alberta get barley? Alberta barley. And that's so amazing. we helped promote uh, everything that's going on in this province. And it is unbelievable. And I need to give a shout out to the international offices. Mm. Alberta has some of the best and brightest people who are working around the clock to uh, support Alberta companies that Absolutely. want to go international and also attracting investment back here to Alberta. Mm. A company called Jacos, we sat down with a number of times. The premier met with them. In our term in government, they announced a $2 billion expansion in the oil sands two wow. years ago. That's amazing. So I understand you actually were spending enough time in China and working with uh, Chinese uh, officials and business people. You actually picked up a little bit of Chinese? I, I did. I brushed up on some of my Chinese. So I, I, was, uh, I absolutely love uh, the country. I've spent some time there. I had an opportunity to live there twice. And so uh, on these trade missions, uh, I would uh, try to sprinkle a little Chinese into my speeches. Okay, you got got any samples for us here? <laughs> well, I can say a little bit. Well,非常的重温，但是啊，我不说中文啊，非常的的的，哦，那我forgotten的的word time。So Fair enough. Well, thank you, Darren. It's really great to get your perspective on some of the work that you had the opportunity to do, economic development and trade. Uh, one of the other things we like to do when we have some folks in on the show is uh, talk to them a bit about their community, their constituency. Uh, next week is Small Business Week. Uh, what's uh, what's things like for small business in your community? Who are the folks making things happen? You know what? I got to give a shout out to, uh, we have two different business associations, Fort Road Business Association and Beverly Business Association. 
Both of them work tirelessly to help promote uh, the two different areas within my riding, working with businesses. And something that I'm proud of, David, uh, again, that our government brought in was the Community and Regional Economic Support Uh. Program. So our CARES funding, small amounts of money. We're talking $5,000 to a couple hundred thousand dollars, depending on the projects. Mm. What was brilliant about this idea, and this really speaks to our values, we believe in partnering with people, not government knows best, we know best. Mm. So we would go to communities across the province to say, what are some of your economic diversification ideas or initiatives? How can we work with you? And then we would fund 50% of their initiative. The ideas came from the local communities. I'm very proud that both those business associations uh, qualified for funding and uh, are helping to promote the area and market uh, those communities for businesses and to attract more Edmontonians. That's fantastic. Thanks for coming in, Darren. Thank you very much. So there is no tech and innovation ecosystem without the entrepreneurs. They're the folks that have the ideas. They're the folks that create the companies. They're the folks who drive this ecosystem and our economy forward. So I'm really happy today to uh, have the opportunity to introduce you to someone, Ashlyn Bernier. Ashlyn is a founding member of the Edmonton Advisory Council on Startups. They're an advocacy group that was started in 2018 for Edmonton's tech-enabled startup community, made up of individuals from various startups and different companies, students, investors, people that are working on the front lines. Ashlyn has a lot of experience herself. She's currently the CEO with Sam Inc., a social network intelligence gathering company. She's worked in various other operational roles with a bunch of different startup companies and helped build the Venture Mentoring Service, a mentorship program for U of A students and alumni entrepreneurs modeled after a similar program at MIT in Boston. So needless to say, Ashlyn is a busy woman in contributing a ton to Edmonton's startup and innovation ecosystem. So really happy to share with you some of my conversation with her today. All right. Well, hello, Ashlyn. Thanks for joining me today. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Ashlyn, you are one of the founding members of ECOS, that being the Edmonton Advisory Council on Startups. Can you tell me a little bit about ECOS and how that got started? I'd be happy to. So, yes, I'm one of the, the founding co-chairs of ECOS. Um, we are a group of 13 representatives from the entrepreneurial and startup community here in Edmonton. Um, and what we're trying to do and, and the reason why this group came together um, in late 2018, early 2019, is to provide um, a bit of an industry association for tech entrepreneurs in Edmonton. So, you know, we're a group of people that represent diverse industries. We're scattered all over the city, um, but we do have some things in common. And I think some uh, common asks or requests in terms of how um, service providers and government agencies at the you know municipal, provincial level um, could help us. So we wanted to come together to provide a cohesive voice um, to those agencies when decisions are being made that impact our community for better or worse. Um, so a bit of an advocacy group. We tried to put together a group of people that were rel- well representative of the diversity of this community, but we are trying to make it uh, an efficient 
um, practice for service providers and government to come to the technology-enabled startup community and ask um, for our opinions and consult us on issues that matter. So we try, we're trying to make that process a bit easier um, than it may have been in the past. That's great because, of course, uh, I guess there's a lot of stuff going on. Everybody loves the tech and innovation industry for the most <laughs> part right now, or at least there's a lot. I hear the mayor talk about it. I know I've talked about it. Uh, and we've heard governments talk about the incredible opportunity that's there. So there's a lot of different programs, a lot of things happening, but you guys mm-hmm. just really want to be the voice of the entrepreneurs to sort of let us know what's going to help you best. Yeah, be be a voice. Um, you know, we never want to get in the way of entrepreneurs being consulted or involved in decision making directly. Um, but it's a group of people that are generally pretty heads down, focused on building their companies, and that's kind of where we all want them to ultimately uh, be focused. So, trying to to represent them as best we can in some of those discussions. So, uh, Ashlyn, uh, you were at an event I was at recently where they were talking about the impact of the tech industry in downtown Edmonton. I asked a question to the panel there that you were on, and I want to ask that question to you here again now. In your perspective as an entrepreneur, as someone who's working with Ecos and is talking to a lot of other entrepreneurs, where can the provincial government best be helping out to support the work that you guys are doing and and, uh, to help you grow your industry? So I think, you know, we all know that taking on uh, an entrepreneurial venture, and that does span the spectrum from, you know, someone opening up a coffee shop to someone building a product or an app that is uh, globally scalable. It is a risky venture. Um, And I think, you know, we've seen that sign around town on the side of a building somewhere that says, take a risk. It's the most Edmonton thing you can do. The caveat I would put around that is I think we are an entrepreneurial province and we've had some amazing entrepreneurs build amazing things over, you know, hundreds of years here. But I think we're a little risk averse um, when it comes to taking big bets. Um, so I think where where government can come in is to help to to mitigate some of that risk or or shoulder a little bit of that risk, share it with entrepreneurs so there's you know, a little bit more um, of a incentive or less barriers in the way for someone to to take that uh, jump into um, entrepreneurship. Um, I think that, you know, the the other thing that I, I bring up when I have the opportunity to speak with service providers or organizations that are looking to to help out entrepreneurs is where you can help us most is something that hits our, our P&L. So a profit and loss is a type of financial statement that looks at your revenues and your expenses every month. So something that helps me generate revenue, so helps me um, get a new customer, um, whether that be you know an organization like Edmonton Global helping me connect with worldwide customers, or an organization like the City of Edmonton saying, you know what, that's a pretty neat tool you've built and I think it could help us. So we're going to test it for you um, for six months and, and kind of give you some feedback on that. So something that that hits me where uh, where I want, which is help me generate revenues. Outside of that, yeah, I think that, that that's where the greatest support can come because it's most easily leveraged. I can leverage revenue or a new customer into investment. I can leverage that into perhaps um, a loan. Um, I can leverage that into the next customer. So that's what really helps versus 
you know, um, granting programs and, and government loans. Those are, those are great. Um, but I think entrepreneurs have the greatest chance to leverage those taxpayer dollars further when it's on the revenue side of the company. So another piece of that has been uh, the Alberta uh, Enterprise Corporation, uh, which has received some funds from government then to invest back into companies. Have you seen them making an impact? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So we've um, received investment from um, organizations that have received funding from Alberta Enterprise Corp. So um, that's been an excellent program that I know has helped out a lot of uh early to mid-stage uh, companies in Alberta. Let's let's back up a little bit here and just talk now. Mm-hmm. So we sort of talked about what some of the opportunities are, some of the programs to support. What do you think is the opportunity for us here in Alberta? What are startups like yours, the ones you've worked with, people that are working in tech and innovation, what is the opportunity they're bringing to the table for the province of Alberta? You know, it's kind of a, a two-sided thing. On one side, I think directly creating jobs, um, creating jobs that are, highly technically skilled. We're retaining the great talent um, that we're, you know, spending taxpayer dollars here to train at the universities and other post-secondary institutions. So um, retaining that talent, creating uh, high-tech jobs, um, keeping Alberta brain and dollars here. Um, I think on the other side, though, it's a cultural shift um, that having companies that are innovative and technology-driven here provide. So I think there's almost um, a shift in how more traditional industries may approach problem solving. If they're part of these communities and surrounded by talent um, that are a little bit more um, prone to taking risks and taking bets on new technology and developing new intellectual property, um, you know, creating these disruptive technologies that represent a totally new way of of looking at an industry or a market or a problem. Um, And I think that there's something to be said there for just the communities that are emerging um, from this sort of new way of thinking and how that can share more traditional industries in Alberta towards more of a, an innovative or entrepreneurial mindset. So it sounds like yeah, a unique opportunity then, I guess, to expand the Alberta economy by bringing in some new industries, some new opportunities, but also, I guess, to increase some of the efficiency and the opportunities we have in some of the existing industries by building on this technology. Innovation or technology, it's not um, an industry. So when we talk about investing in innovation, that's not a, a sector we can define, yes, software maybe, but innovation is an enabling mindset that it can exist throughout many different industries, including oil and gas, agriculture, forestry, fisheries. Um, innovation can make all of those industries more globally competitive, more efficient, more effective. And I think the more innovation um, is looked at as an enabling tool um, versus a specific sector that we invest in, um, the further we're going to be able to get um, in this province. And where do you think Alberta is in terms of being positioned to take advantage of that compared to other jurisdictions, I guess some of the other parts of Canada or even outside our country? Well, I think, you know, we already do have that that entrepreneurial history. Um, you know, I think we, we still have a ways to go in terms of how we view um, entrepreneurial risk. Um, but I think we have the talent here. We have you know, the right foundational mindset. Um, we have resources here that properly invested, I think, can produce unbelievable returns for decades to come. Um, but we have to kind of shake out of that 
um, safe bet mentality, just doing the same things uh, over and over in maybe a slightly different way. Um, I think it's time to be bold and boldness pays off when it comes to innovation and entrepreneurship. And I think it's not something that we should be afraid of. With that in mind, we've got this opportunity here. We've got folks like yourself that have been doing this work on the ground for quite some time. We've had some different programs that have been in place. Next week, the uh, current Alberta government will be tabling their first budget. What would Mm -hmm. you hope to see in that budget? What kind of investments would you like to see them make that you think would be most helpful for folks in your position? I would love to see investment in post-secondary education. Um, We have an incredible opportunity um, with artificial intelligence and our computing science program at the U of A that gets thousands of applicants, uh, qualified applicants every year, and we just don't have room for them. Um, I'd like to see investment in education at the uh, high school and before level on um, technology and computer science. Um, I would like to see investment in our artificial intelligence uh, opportunities. So we have amazing work that's being done at Amy. Um, I'd love to see more dollars go towards that to truly leverage this opportunity that we have here that isn't going to stick around forever. Um, We're seeing Toronto, Montreal, Boston um, governments there investing millions, if not a billion dollars in the case of Boston in building out their artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, Institute. So I think, you know, as each month passes, um, we're falling farther behind. So I'd like to see some real investment behind uh, helping us to catch up to our peers. Well, thanks so much, Ashley. Appreciate you taking the time to chat today. Thank you, David. It's uh, been a pleasure. All right. So part of the job when you're in opposition to the legislature is being on top of issues when they break, uh, sometimes unexpectedly. So we had something come up at the legislature this week. I have a couple of my colleagues here to talk about what they were bringing to the legislature. I have uh, Rod Loyola, our MLA for Edmonton Ellerslie. Welcome, Rod. Thank you very much, David. And Marie Renault, our MLA in St. Albert. Thanks, David. So, Rod, you're our critic for transportation, and you had something come to your attention recently. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so basically for many decades here in the province of Alberta, the examination, the examiner uh, model that we had here was deficient. And for, uh, for truckers and for, other long-haul drivers? For class one and class two, and, and, and quite frankly, for in all aspects. Okay. But uh, specifically, this is about class one and class two. So those are people who drive semi-trucks and bus drive. Okay. Bus drivers, yeah. So basically, um, the model was deficient in many ways. So then when we came into uh, government, we implemented uh, what was called the MELT program. And uh, that was in order to make sure that these long, these semi-truck drivers were getting the training that they require. Now, that was in response to the unfortunate Humboldt bus tragedy, uh, Mm. where many families here in the province of Alberta were affected by that. There was many uh, who lost uh, their children, of course. for those who may not remember, there was a, it was a hockey team, the Humboldt Broncos hockey team. And, uh, and then now what's happening is that the current conservative government and the, the current minister of transportation, Rick McIver, is basically rolling back on these regulations. So what they're doing is in, indeed putting uh, Albertans at risk by minimizing uh, the amount of training that these truckers will have. So it's actually, 
causing a problem for the safety on our highways. So, yeah, so that was the Humboldt bus tragedy where we had a driver of a semi-truck who was not properly trained, not properly experienced, then struck the bus then with the Humboldt Broncos, leading to several deaths and some severe injuries. Yeah, so, and and what I really want to highlight here are the deficiencies that were actually highlighted in the Tantus report. And there was many, many deficiencies, but amongst them was the fact that some of these um, semi-truck drivers weren't getting, not only weren't getting the proper training, but some were actually buying their licenses. So it was, uh, it was a very big problem. And of course, as I said, um, that, that led to the Humboldt bus tragedy, which was incredibly unfortunate. And my heart goes out to all the families that uh, were affected by that. And of course, they were all over Alberta. And uh, and specifically families in St. Albert as well. Right. And that's where you came into this, Marie. So, Rod, you sort of encountered this as a transportation critic, critic um, a technical concern, but a real one for people. But Marie, it had a bit of a more of a personal angle for you. It did. It did. So as the MLA for St. Albert, part of my job is to hear from constituents. And very quickly, as this um, the news started to roll out and people started to get information about what the government was doing, I had two families reach out to me. So the Joseph family and the Nordstrom family. And both of the emails were really, I mean, they were heartbreaking, actually. Both emails had photographs attached to oh. them of the, the sons that were lost in that tragedy. But both families demanded answers. So as their representative in the Alberta legislature... They demanded that I do something about it, and they really focused on the need for the government to look at the safety of these very large and potentially dangerous vehicles on the highway, as opposed to um, simply looking at profit margins or special interest groups. And in this case, it was it seems to be that um, trucking companies were having quite a bit of influence on what the government was doing. So, yeah, so we, I, you know, replied to those emails, actually spoke to them on the phone, and we came up with a bit of a plan to um, look at what the government was doing and then worked with Rod and some of our other colleagues to bring those families here. And those families reached out to other families as well. Um, and we, uh, I think it was really important for these families to be able to look at the decision makers, and in this case of the UCP government, to look at them, Rick McIver being the Minister of Transportation, for them to say, our sons cannot have died in vain. I mean, this kind of change, these safety standards need to be in place. It's not, it can't be about the money. It has to be about our son's lives. And so that's where it began. Absolutely. So you and Rod, and then together with uh, with Christina Gray, MLA Edmonton Mill Woods, and uh, Shannon Phillips, uh, Lethbridge West, who also represents some of the families, you brought them here to the legislature and had the opportunity for them to speak with the media. Let's listen to a clip. So there we go. That was Shauna Nordstrom. So uh, one of the family members uh, who, who lost a loved one in that Humboldt bus crash. So she's talking there about exemptions. Rod, can you give us a bit of a background on what she's referring to there? Sure. So when we were in government, we uh, actually provided exemptions for semi-truck drivers because of the uh, we uh, the training period. We want to be able to to kind of ease into 
the new melt regulations that were being put in place. So we provided a, a short uh, uh, exemption for semi-truck drivers as well as school bus drivers. Uh, the school bus drivers were given until September and then... Um, uh, the semi-truck drivers were given for later on in, in, the, in that same year. Now, what ended up happening is that when the conservative, uh, the United Conservative Party comes in, they decided they're going to extend that exemption. So they first extended it for two years, and then uh, Minister of Transportation Rick McIver was on the media once again, and then stated that he was going to extend the exemptions indefinitely. Indefinitely, wow! And, and that's what Shauna is referring to in uh, in her speech there, and uh, and I think that the, we're on side with the families. The there shouldn't be any exemptions for anybody in this. I mean, it's everybody should be ready to to move forward on on the new melt regulations. So. How did it feel? You're bringing these folks in. They've obviously endured some real personal tragedy and suffering as part of this. And now they're feeling, I guess, concerned, betrayed, hurt with these changes that are potentially coming in. What was it like bringing them into the legislature? It was a roller coaster and it was incredibly difficult to see these families in the gallery. But we went, uh, so we did a member statement about it and, and talked a little bit about Actually, a number of us did member statements about this and just highlighted some of the things that, that had happened since that tragedy. But then we were successful in having the government support us to do an emergency debate to talk about. And our our motion was really about urging the government to immediately stop these exemptions. So we were successful in doing that. And then we repeatedly watched as the Minister of Trans- Transportation stood up and said, yes, yes, we will do this. We will stop the exemptions. And that was my understanding. I think that was the understanding of the families in the gallery. Um, it was very positive. I think there was a lot of hope. You could actually see some smiles. We walked out into the rotunda where the media had assembled. And then the minister proceeded to backtrack and undid any of the good that he had, um, hmm. any of the goodwill that he had expressed to those families in the chamber. So then it was, you know, typical sort of UCP messaging. Well, you know, we're going to look at it. We're going to do what's best. And and once again, these families were left with just confusion, not knowing where they stood. And the bottom line was they wanted the exemptions stopped. The 6,800 potential drivers that would be on the road because of this, they wanted it stopped. They didn't get the answer they wanted. So we sort of felt like we were right back to square one. So you brought them in. Uh, we had that recognition, had the member statements. We'd had some question period questions, and then you were able to bring forward that emergency debate and have that opportunity to discuss that on the floor with them there. How did they feel about the whole process in the end when they when they went home? What did they have to say? Well, I think there was a lot of emotion all day, but it, you know, like I said, it was a bit of a roller coaster to watch. You know, some hope, some smiles, some. I think there were some tears of gratitude to have been supported by all of our caucus throughout a question period and with the member statements, and then the debate, and then you saw just the the change immediately following when we left the chamber, went to the rotunda, and then the minister proceeded to undo any of that progress that we'd made. So, once again, to to see that pain and um, you could just feel it and it was you could feel it all day long and and I can't I mean it was a roller coaster for us to watch I cannot imagine what that was like for these families Indeed. And how, how do you feel about that? I mean, it's in this line of work, it can be challenging sometimes figuring out how we balance emotion, how we advocate for people in some very difficult situations. How did it feel for you to have this opportunity to bring these folks in to be heard on the legislature floor? 
I was really sad that we had to do it. I really was. I thought um, I, I thought that we were at a place that we would have learned something from that horrific loss of life. We lost 16 people because a driver blew through a stop sign he wasn't trained appropriately. And in an instant, all of those families were devastated uh, forever. And I thought that the safety and lives of Albertans came first before profit margins, before the interests of, of companies and special interest groups. And it was incredibly disappointing to see what happened. But what I always feel hopeful about is that um, we have a caucus and an opposition that is really incredible, that we have the skill to dive into legislation, to understand what's happening, but also to show compassion and empathy with families. And I think they felt supported. And so for me, I learned a lot that day. And um, I know that I and my colleagues are just, we're just going to fight harder. I know these families reached out to you and they reached out to some of our other caucus members and asking, you know, for us to advocate for them, raise their voice. But there are some who might look at this a bit more cynically and sort of say, you know, you're using these families, bringing them to the legislature like this. It's a bit of a political stunt. You're taking advantage of a tragic situation. What are your thoughts? How do we find that balance, I guess, in advocating for people? I think the bottom line is my job is to represent the city of St. Albert. And these are my constituents. And they reached out to me and they were very clear about what they wanted me to do. Very clear. There was no ambiguity. And so I did my job. We did our job as opposition. We listened to Albertans. We did the right thing. And we know this is the right thing to do. And so. And Rod, as the critic on the file, how do you feel about, you know, making use, I guess, of all these different ways to approach it and raise the issue on the floor? Well, number one, I'd like to stress that uh, the connection with the humble Bronco uh, family members uh, was, is really a back and forth because this, when, when the tragedy happened, um, a number of, uh, of us from caucus uh, ended up going to the, the ceremony that was actually held uh, here in Edmonton. And, and then it was a matter of just building those relationships and making sure that they, those families knew that we were here for them. And I think that Marie has done a, an incredible job, uh, Christina Gray from uh, Edmonton Little Woods as well, and as well as Shannon with the Boulay family uh, uh, being representative of Lethbridge West. I think that for those who are cynical about, about this, they really need to take a broader look at what's happening here. Because as Alberta's official opposition, and I would say probably the most effective opposition this uh, province has ever had, it's our job to stand up for Alberta families and, and have those relationships with people who are uh, having issues with the government. It's our job. That's, it's, it's what we have to do. So no matter what the, the scenario is. Now, yes, I can understand this is a very tragic event that happened. And I could see how some people looking at it from afar would say, oh, well, they're just taking advantage. But no, this has been an ongoing relationship, making sure that we're, we're focused on safety on our highways uh, because of this tragedy. And uh, now it's unfolding the way that it is. And we're going to continue working with in this particular case with the, the families of the humble Broncos uh, um, team members that ended up losing their lives. And we'll continue working with all Albertans that want to work with us. That's our job. And we were there to represent those Alberta families. 
Fantastic. Well, it was a powerful moment in the legislature. So thank you to both of you and everyone that helped put that together this week. Thanks, David. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. Another jam-packed, extended edition of the Herd Podcast. Thanks for tuning in this week. I really enjoyed those conversations. I'm looking forward to next week. We're going to have an extra special edition all about the budget. The UCP government will be introducing their first budget Thursday, October 24th. We're going to be coming to talk to you about what does it look like? What are the impacts on the ground? How does a budget get put together? That's all coming to you next week. In the meantime, if you're looking for a little bit of entertainment, you might be interested in checking out a great play that's happening here at Edmonton for all of you out there who are a little bit of a political nerd. A play called E-Day that's currently playing over at Theater Network, opened on October 17th, runs to October 27th, and a little bit of a, uh, uh, a fictional story set during the 2015 election campaign. I've heard really good things about it. To take us out today, musical artist that I've been following for a while. Uh, Rachel gave her a shout out when we had her in the other week. Singer, songwriter, Nuella Charles. Now, we've been talking today about business and entrepreneurs and people that got the hustle. Let me tell you, Nuella's been at this for a while and I've seen incredible hustle from her as she's built herself from a great local performer into a nationally respected singer, songwriter, getting her music placed in all kinds of media all over the place. Today, we're going to give you one of her brand new singles ladies and gentlemen to take us out today Nuella Charles and her brand new track Power we'll see you next week Ooh.